want to be a homeowner, but you don't know where to start, guess what? I'm going to help guide you through. My name is Cameron Diavis, and I am a seasoned mortgage professional, and I am the podcaster general of the Home Buyer Hustle. And I'm here to help guide you through credit, income, assets, the mortgage application, and all those pitfalls that you need to avoid, things you may not have known about, and there's a special bonus just for you. That's right, just for you. We're also going to talk about down payment assistance. We're also going to talk to real estate professionals, people in the real estate game, inspectors, and that are going to be able to help let you know what they look for when they're inspecting homes and so forth. So without any other delay, let's take the dive. Let's have some fun. All right, guys and gals, I'm glad you're joining me back here in the studio. So remember, we talked about credit. The biggest thing behind credit was what? Pay your damn bills, right? The second thing, what was the second most important thing? You guys remember from watching those videos? Right. You're going to check your credit report. You're going to dispute the stuff that's not yours. You're also going to double check the social security number. Make sure the social security number is right and you don't have a multiple social security number reporting on your credit report. Okay, so you got that down. We also talked about the mortgage application and why it's so important, right? You got to be truthful and you have to have a story behind employment dates all of that stuff date something on your credit report wasn't paid and you're going to dispute it you need to be really close with the dates does that mean you're if you're off by a month you know that it's going to affect the opportunity to purchase a home most likely not but all lenders are different all investors are different and the biggest thing is is you have to be truthful at the end of the day, you have to be truthful. You do not want to catch yourself committing mortgage fraud. End of story. Which is not going to go there, right? So the other thing that we kind of touched on, and I want to kind of go over it today, is income. Now, there's certain situations where we've had in the past clients that say, hey, I have two jobs. Can I use both the incomes? And the short answer is no. But, <laughs> you know, it really depends on the investor, the lender. You will find some of the smaller banks that offer programs that the larger banks or the larger lending institutions simply don't offer. And those are what we call a niche market. So what happens is this, if they do accept that second income, a lot of the times it's a risk factor because let's be truthful. You have two jobs. Who wants to work two jobs? Not very many. Some people can say, well, I was born and, and I've always had two jobs and whatever. Congratulations to you. Pat on the back. Good job. I'm going to give you a gold star. However, the majority of folks don't keep a second job for very long. They either use it to get out of debt, pay down those credit cards that we talked about in the credit segment. So then 
the way a lender looks at it is like, we can only have one primary job. Now, what's the first thing to go if we qualify these folks on the second income? Say if one person has two jobs and you have a spouse, girlfriend, fiance, whatever, is has one income. So you typically, I mean, you could have three incomes coming in. They're not going to use... They're not going to use the the second income. They'll, they'll use two of the incomes, but not the third. And the reason being is it's so easy for you, once you get qualified, for you to quit that job, you qualified for the mortgage based on three incomes, and now you're down to two, and you you increase your risk for default. And I've personally seen in the past when the the great mortgage crisis and the and the housing market collapsed. There were a lot of times when those second incomes and third incomes were accepted and the default rates went through the roof, foreclosures went through the roof. And then what did the people say, the homeowners say that went into foreclosure? Well, the bank never should have approved me anyway. They knew I was working two jobs. So guess what? They close that loophole up so you don't have that anymore. Another big one, too, people don't realize is self-employment income. Self-employment income in itself is kind of tricky because as a business owner, everybody in theory says, well, you know what? I want to write off all that I can. And in a typical scenario, that's fine. But if you're looking to purchase a home, you're going to want to do a standard write-off schedule to make sure that you're not writing off everything. Because if you write off everything, you're not going to show that you're making very much money. And that's what the lender goes off is your gross income. Gross are your net income, your net income after taxes. So we want to make sure that you can pay your obligations. And you can say, well, I wrote off all these things, and, and that's one thing. But it has to pass the liquidity test. And it shows how much money that you're making and all of that. And if you're writing everything off year after year after year, and, and even though you have, say, for example, just for the sake of easy numbers, say you're making a million dollars in gross in gross income, but you write everything off and you're making $20,000 a year, you're going to qualify based on $20,000 a year because you're writing it all off. And it kind of goes back to that third job or second job scenario. They want to make sure that there's a, a timeline, a history behind it. And they're going, okay, they're writing this off every single time, every single year. Oh, they have this event pop up. That's okay. That makes sense. But we definitely want to make sure these rules are to protect the homeowners, not make it harder. And my job here, like I mentioned earlier, it's to guide you and not in a negligent way. It's to guide you to keep you aware of the pitfalls, right? The things that could cause a delay in you getting pre-approved. There are certain times and you say, well, I've been only self-employed for a year. Most investors require two years of self-employment. That also includes people that are 1099, people that are commission-based only. 
same thing. You have to be able to show a track record of that income. What if you're a commission-based employee and you're receiving a base income? I'll tell you what. They're going to take your base income, and if you haven't been receiving those commissions for two years, in some cases 16 months, they're not going to take it. They're going to average it over a smaller period of time. So you've got to show the track record. First and foremost, you've got to show the track record. And I want to put a little disclaimer. Lending guidelines change every single day. So a lot of times they're tightening the credit market. So when they tighten the credit market, what that means is it's going to be a little bit harder to qualify. Not only just the credit score is the number, but, you know, they're looking for strength of credit. They're looking for strength of income. They're looking for all of those things. And remember, as I mentioned before, that all lenders and investors, what I'm talking about, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, I'm talking about USDA, VA, FHA, and then you have your your one-offs, you know, your non-QM and your QM. And I don't really want to kind of get too far into that because I just don't want you to get all wrapped up in that. You need to have a trusted mortgage representative or a trusted mortgage partner and a trusted real estate partner to be able to help you with these things. If you have any questions or any of that, you know what? It's something I do on a daily basis. So you can shoot me a comment and say, hey, Cameron, what do I do in this situation? Can you help me? I'm here to help. If I wasn't here to help, I wouldn't be putting on these podcasts because I wouldn't think it was important. But I think there's a, a large portion of people that are out there that have to get the information. They'll go on the internet, they'll Google it, whatever, getting bits and pieces of it but yet don't really know how deep down it goes. And it goes really deep. And But the thing is, we want to make sure you're qualified. We want you to get into a home. That's what we do. It's part of the American dream is to be able to own your own home and raise your family in that home and not have to move them around, you know, when your lease expires. And, you know, and I want to take this on a sidebar right now. One of my listeners wrote in and was saying about the interest rates and said, you know what, the interest rates are right now are over 7% and skippity-doo-dah or whatever, you know. And I get these questions. You know, he's making a statement. doesn't make sense to do it. And I... You know, the interest rate is 7.15 in this case is what he was saying, percent. It just doesn't make sense. But yet he's paying $2,100 in rent payment, which is basically interest only. Getting nothing at the end of the day for that. Nothing. So my advice always is going to be buy real estate and wait. Don't wait to buy real estate. You know what? You're going to be able to get into a home and the biggest thing, the determining factor shouldn't be interest rate. It should be what can I afford 
And does this fit in my payment budget? First and foremost, I'm not going to lie to you. It all comes down to payment. At the end of the day, you say, well, I'm paying all this interest. Well, you know what? You're going to be able to write a lot of that interest off on your taxes, and you're going to get a lot of that back. But, you know, you're paying at that interest rate, but you're getting, you're building equity. You're building equity in 99% of the country. You're gaining equity. And you're paying your loan down. And you're boosting your credit score. And you know, and your family is content. You got a house that you like. You may not love the house that you bought, but you know what? Remember, it's like a goal. You have to go, okay, I'm going to start here. And then once I get to that certain place, you know, say your family gets a little larger and a two-bedroom or three-bedroom house is too small. That's okay. You trade up. Because you've been managing your credit, you've been doing all those things. Just because you buy a house doesn't mean you throw all that stuff out the window. No, you got to maintain it. You got to keep on track. And then all of a sudden you get pre-approved again and you buy another house and sell your house, your starter home. Or if you elect to keep it, that's totally your prerogative, man. You can do what you want to do. But like I said before, I'm here to guide you through this. And you know, I want to thank you again for joining me today. I'm looking forward to the next episode. And I really think that we're making great progress. And as I mentioned at the last part, I said, you know what? If you do what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always got. So let's change some behaviors. Let's work on the credit. Let's get that verifiable income. And let's go from there. Until then, have a great day. Take care. Woo, that was a lot of information to take in. You know what? I'm proud of you. You hung on it and you followed it through. So here's the best part. It's only going to get better. I guarantee it. You know what? So what I want you to do is I want you to bookmark this. I want you to watch it, subscribe, and re-watch it. Then, do me a favor. Have your friends watch it and your friends subscribe to it. Until the next episode, I expect to see you in your seat ready and willing. Because remember, you're always going to get what you've always got if you keep doing what you always do. So let's do this. Come on, hustlers.